Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. What his mercy did. Hallelujah. 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 Father, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father. We can't, we just can't figure it out. Why should you love us so much? Why? We can't figure it out. We'll never be able to figure it out. But you do. You do love us. And so I feel like singing that song. I don't know why Jesus loves me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. But I'm so glad that he did. Praise God. You know why I sang? You know why I sang? Four weeks ago, I had laryngitis. Four weeks ago, I even talked to my daughter on the phone. I could not talk. I had the, the biggest pain in my throat. And I didn't know I had pneumonia. And I went to a doctor. doctor said, you got to go to bed. you got pneumonia. I said, I've got three conferences I've got to go to. He said, don't, don't, don't do it. And I was crazy. I'm, I'm just crazy, folks. I'm cracked. That's how the light got in. Hallelujah. I just felt that I had to go. I had a message, a prophetic word, like I have for this church. I have a prophetic word. If you hear this word, I promise you, you will be singing just like I. And so I went, and the conference was. They said, are you going to stay on the grounds? So I said, no. Could you get me a hotel? And the, God just loosed my throat, took the pain away, took the, <laughs> took the pneumonia, I guess. Pneumonia, pneumonia. And it was the greatest conference that that, that church had ever had, is what the lady said. And uh, they were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. They were in the spirit, hundreds of women getting prophesied over. I prophesied over a few and then they started prophesying over one another. Hell, it never happened before. A football player who came to our church, I didn't know him. I had never heard of him. Called him out, prophesied over him. His name is Napoleon Kaufman, Oakland Raiders. I said, you're going to be a preacher, and God's going to use you in a mighty way. He came up to me afterward and told me he's a football player. And he said, what do you think, that I should resign now? I said, no. Just stay another year. You're going to quit on top, and then God's going to use you. Today he has a church of over 2,000 people. Hallelujah. In a, in a place you wouldn't, right next to the Livermore atomic bomb plant. <laughs> and uh, hundreds of people. All right, you may be seated. I just wanted to prepare you uh, for some exciting things that God has said to me about this church, and about you. And uh, if you want me to give it, say amen. We're going to go into the Bible. I'm going to give you six points right now. Six ingredients for a miracle. 
How many really need a miracle? I mean, well, put your hands down. Don't, don't, if you really need a miracle, if you really need it, put your hand up. It's, it's like Black Friday here. You get over there. Mike, my son-in-law, he was interested in Robin, my youngest daughter. They're part of this church. But he didn't give her a ring. And he said he's not going to propose to her until he's got a ring. I said, here's a newspaper, J.C. Penney's Black Friday. says at 4 o'clock they're going to give you 80% off a ring. He was there, and he bought a ring. How many want a miracle? Well, act like it. Get excited. Number one, you got to have a great need. A great need. Number two, Jesus must be present. Jesus must be a reality in your life. Number three, let Jesus use your assets. Number four, push out a little. I'm not asking you to take a leap. Push out a little. Number, number five, obey him. Obey him. Listen to him. Practice what he says. I'm afraid to take a chance. Why are you afraid to take a chance? God is not a liar. God is truth. God keeps his word. God doesn't forget. God is not absent-minded. You sang about God has no equal, <laughs> no rival. <laughs> so, you know, push out a little, obey, and watch what will happen. There'll be a miracle harvest. There'll be a miracle healing. There'll be a miracle ministry. There'll be a miracle provision. There'll be a miracle marriage. God can take the worst fighting couple. I've seen it and change it. You know, I was watching television the uh, day before I came here, and the guy that had the love boat, movie star, what's his name, Gavin? Gavin? Gavin walked away from a praying, tongue-talking, spirit-filled wife without any reason, just walked away and disappeared for four years. Captain of the love boat. She prayed. She went into intercession. She got a group of men and women praying for her, but mostly women. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed that Gavin would come back. What's his last name? I got to prophesy over that man. I got to put my hands on his head and prophesy after the love boat ended, after his career was over. One day he walks up to the door, rings the doorbell. After four years, no letters, no phone calls, nothing. He said, I'm back, honey. <laughs> and now they have a ministry. Come on, hallelujah. What I'm saying is, you've got to push out a little. Here's the story. Once upon a time, a man was teaching people and 
preaching, and as he spoke, something grabbed the hearers. And they wanted more. They wanted more. It was too good. Even though he said, I got to leave you now, they begged him not to leave. It was so, so powerful. They wanted to stay. They wanted him to give them more. And they started pushing and started pressing. And they started backing him up, this 15, 20,000 people, until they backed him up to a lake. Had they pushed anymore, he would have been in the lake. And he turns and he sees two boats standing there in the lake. Quip every, everything in the boat that is needed for fishing. But the fishermen are out of the boat and they're washing their nets. We'll find out why they were washing their nets and why they were out of their boats. I believe that these disciples somehow had, must have heard about Jesus or met, but whatever it is, they were not serving him. They were not following him. They were not listening to him. They were not hungry like the multitudes. And when he sees these two ships or these two boats, equipped but unproductive, and so many of us are well equipped. You've heard enough word. You've heard enough scripture. You can memorize verses. You've got the equipment but you're unproductive. And that's why I'm wanting to preach this message because something is going to happen. Well-equipped. Sometimes you'll feel like you're not equipped, but that's okay too because that's when you humble yourself and realize all the songs you sang about God getting all the glory. God is everything. God is the one. He's the boss. He's the king. You feel like, but the ship, was well equipped and had everything ready for a draft of fishes. And when Jesus sees the fishermen have left and are washing their nets, they're not in the boat. Why? Because their efforts had failed. They got discouraged. They worked hard all day and into the wee hours of the morning trying to get a fish. There comes a time when you think, that you'll save the world. There comes a time you, you feel like you're walking on water. All of these wonderful emotions. But then rejection comes. Then something happens. Then the bottom drops out. Then the devil strikes you. And at that time, there's a tendency for you to leave the boat. People by the thousands in Texarkana have quit the church. They didn't quit the church because the church is no good or the church is rotten or the church is full of the devil or immoral. They quit the church because of great disappointments, great failures, and great difficulties on their part. If everyone that ever had a church experience would come back right now, we would need a building seating 40,000, 50,000 people right here in, 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 in Texarkana. They're, the woods are filled with backsliders. got the boat. They've had the knowledge. They went to Sunday school. They had, they, they had a walk with God to a degree. And then as Jesus was backed up, he turns and he looks and he sees these two boats and, of course, must have inquired whose boat. And Peter said, that's my boat, sir. And Jesus did something. He said, can I use your boat? Can I get into your boat. 
and use it. Now, Peter could have said, why my boat? I mean, there are other boats that probably are better. Why are you picking on me? The thing that thrills me today as I stand before you is that God picked you and God picked me. We don't have to psychologically analyze and figure out why. <laughs> we all were failures. We were all sinners and come short of the glory of God. We were all mistakes. We, 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 we are all in the same pit. When Jesus picks on you, it's not because you've done so much for him. But he says, if you will let me in your boat, I will do some miracles. Hallelujah. How many want him in your boat? I want him in my boat. I want him. Can I, can I tell you something? Linnell probably didn't tell you. Five members of the Canastrasi family, including three of them in this church, all had their cars totally destroyed, complete demolished, and not one of them has a broken neck or a broken bone or is in the hospital or died. Somebody shout hallelujah. We can always get another car. <laughs> Five canistrasies within the last two years. My daughter, Sharon Rose, my oldest attorney daughter, a block from our house, fell asleep at the wheel and crashed into a pole, knocked it down, and her car was totaled. Then her daughter, my granddaughter, six months pregnant in a busy, busy, busy place going uh, 17 in Santa Cruz, cars speeding. Somebody hit her in the back and demolished her car. They rushed her to the hospital, not because she was bleeding or anything, but because of the six-month child in her womb. Perfect. I've got a great-grandson, and he loves his papa. Would you believe it? Mother, daughter, Robin demolished her car. Somebody hit her, and then her husband. He had a total wreck, and God <laughs> spared them. Come on, everybody. And they're all in your church. I said they're all in your church. Someone said, that's a coincidence. You can call it a coincidence. I say that that's God being in their life. And God wanted to prove to them that absolutely the devil can't kill them without God's permission. Hallelujah. And he's not given permission. Somebody shout hallelujah. I could go on for hours and hours and hours and tell you, when Jesus is in your boat, when you have Jesus in your life, when you really have him there and you really are related to him, you will fare better. You will have a better life. You will have a better marriage. You will have a better relationship. Come on. <laughs> and you can go through what you think that nobody would ever be able to succumb and come out of it. You can go through the storm and through the dark and all the things we sang about, and you can go through it because Jesus is right there with you, upholding you and strengthening you. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Everybody wants me to prophesy about what's happening in America concerning the election. They want me to prophesy. What, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What about the caravans? What about the millions of, of people that are here illegal? What about, what about all the wars that are going on? What about, you know, what about what? But I want to tell you something. If Jesus is in the boat, <laughs> things are going to come out better. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you sit around worrying and chewing your nails and pulling your hair and shaking and trembling because of what you read and what you hear, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming right now like he did to Peter, and he's saying to you, may I step in to your boat? And it's not because <laughs> you're so great or so good or so wonderful. It's because he's so great and so good and so wonderful. Somebody shout hallelujah. And he loves you in spite of what you did or didn't do. He loves you in spite. And he wants to show you that these things that have handicapped you and hindered you and slowed you down and caused you to be discouraged and even to give up or even to slide or even to begin to doubt God and even to get a spirit of unbelief in you, I'm telling you, everybody in the Bible, I said, Everybody in the Bible, everybody say, everybody in the Bible. Everybody in the Bible. Everybody. There was nobody that God ever chose or called or used. No prophet, no king, no evangelist, no disciple. Every one of them were comeback kids. <laughs> Somebody shout. They all failed, every one of them. <laughs> if you're a failure, you're qualified. If you're a nothing, you're qualified. But God has chosen the foolish things, and I'm looking at a church full. God has chosen the unwise. God has chosen the nothings, the zeros with the erase. You qualify. He wants in your boat. He wants in your life. Why? Jesus needs a vessel. He has to work through a vessel. And why did he choose your boat? Because he knows you need a vision. You need to see what he can do with just a frail, weak human being like yourself. What he can do. And he says, push out a little, and he sits down and begins to teach. The people are so hungry for the word, they about pushed them into the lake. They wanted the word. Read it. Now, the verse that God said for me to give you before I was going to read the whole fifth chapter of Luke was 440. Everybody say 440. Now, this is a magic word, a spiritual, majestic word. 4.40, Luke 4.40 tells us, do we have it on the screen? Now, when the sun was setting, God said, tell church of the rock, the sun is setting, a day is ending, a season is ending. When the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. Look what the next verse says, and... Jesus laid hands on every one of them 
and heal how many? All of them. Look at me. There, most of you have a problem or a need or a burden because I've traveled the world and I haven't found one person, not one yet, that isn't wearing sack off. There is some need, some burden, some problem, some family member, somebody's sick, somebody's in jail, somebody's in the hospital, somebody's lost their house, somebody's been burned out, somebody's been flooded out, somebody that had tornado got them, somebody, a hurricane's got them, somebody, 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 somebody. Everywhere people are in trouble. What an opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and say, we've got the answer. Let Jesus in. Come on, everybody. The sun is setting. You want to know how it's all going to come out? Everybody wants to prophecy. What about the election? What about 19? What about 20? What about, what about the future? Iraq, Afghanistan. What about the Holy Land? What about Russia? What about China? What about Korea? What about the church? It's God's instrument. The church is God's battle axe. The church is the light and the soul. And God said the church is going to transform millions and billions of people. The church activated by God. Jesus in their boat. They're going to go fishing. <laughs> the sun is setting on COTR. And a new day is dawn, and we are going to see miracles is common. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. We're going to see miracles. I still remember, I still remember starting out on a bicycle delivering telegrams for Western Union. I dropped out of school. I wanted to go to Bible college. My dad said, you got to get a job if you don't go to school. I got a job under, under age. I was 16 years old, pedaling a bicycle, delivering telegrams, dressed in a uniform. And on a rainy, foggy day in Oakland, California, I heard somebody shout, Emmanuel, I want you to be my messenger. I slammed the brakes on the bike. I was on uh, uh, in front of the post office, and I sat down with the rain coming, crying. I said, what is this voice? Lord said, I want you to be my messenger. I had telegrams in the, the hat under the rubber band in the, in the hat to deliver, but I didn't deliver them. I went back. Mr. Fisher, my boss, stopped me and said, Emmanuel, what are you doing here? You couldn't have given all. I had the city hall, the mayor, the chief of police, the various judges. I had telegrams, and that was my route. Thank God he knew that one day I'd need the chief of police. One day I would need the friendships I made as a boy. And when, when I came back, I said, I heard what I thought was a voice that said, I'm to be his messenger, and I, I, I thank you for the job. I know my dad's going to be angry, but... Uh, because I brought my paycheck home to my dad, and he gave me 10%. And uh, tithe, you know. He said, I am disappointed. I took, I took a chance on hiring. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a preacher. 
and it was way back. God got in my boat. And it was God. I didn't know how to preach. My first sermon, I preached that Solomon was the richest man in the world. He had 700 combines and 300 wives. I didn't know combines. But I did know that if I seek the Lord and I let him use this boat, this vessel, that he could do signs and wonders and miracles. So I started ringing doorbells. True story. Anybody sick here? I was in the worst neighborhood in Oakland, California, where it's dangerous to go. And I rang a doorbell. A big, tall man came to the door. What are you selling? I said, I'm not selling. Is anybody sick? I'm praying for the sick. And I walked into the house and I saw a candle burning and I saw Mary's picture. And I thought, oh, God, I'm in a Catholic home. Why did I choose it? I just knew that this big guy was going to take a knife and cut me. I said, who's sick? I wanted to get it over with. He said, my mother's sick. He tucked me in a room. The blinds were shut. It was dark. She's in a wheelchair, crippled. And I prayed for her and started jerking on her to get out of the wheelchair. He said, don't do that. She can't walk. I said, let me go. Let me go. She got out of that wheelchair, and God healed her. Hallelujah. Somebody shouted. Now, that's, you see, you push out a little. You take a little bit of a risk. God admires that kind of risk. God wants us to take up the challenge. The devil is saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. That's because you can. With God's grace and power in you, let him guide you and direct you. The sun is setting on your past, on even the good past, because something better in transition is always better. It is always better. God never stops on the negative. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Every, every day is going to be different. You can't have a repeat. This is the end of a day and a new day. And Jesus is looking for boats in this new day because something big and powerful is going to happen at COTR. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a directive. I'm prophesying to Pastor John and Linnell. I didn't even know what all that they shared this morning was even happening. Uh, and God said, tell them 440. They're coming to the end of an era and a season of a day, and a new day is dawning, and miracles are going to be powerful, and provision is going to... Somebody shout hallelujah. I can't prophesy to people that stare at me. Come on, shout. What does it mean, a new day? It means that God is going to fulfill unfulfilled prophecies are armed and dangerous over this church. They will explode. They will be fulfilled. You've waited, some of you, and waited and waited. How long? How long? You're not alone. The prophets said how long. Even, even the great prophets, Haggai and Habakkuk and, 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 and David and, and all of them. Jeremiah said, how long, how long? We've all been.
there. I'm telling you, a new day is coming. And that new day has dawned for Texarkana and for COTR. And you are going, with God in your boat, going to go out and launch out into the deep. And you're going to let your nets down, and you're going to get a draft of fish. There's going to be thousands of people touched by the gospel through this church worldwide. Somebody shout hallelujah. Missionaries are going to be born. <laughs> are going to be birthed. Women ministries of travail. See, women know more about travail. Men don't travail. Hardly know how to travail. In the women's retreat that I just had uh, two or three weeks ago, I said, you women know travail. You know how to push. Say push. You know how to push. Men, you know, you're good at power sports, you know. But they don't know how to push. And the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in all of the years of my growing, is women that prophesied and travailed over me and prayed for me. When Pastor John said a while ago that he doesn't mind people praying for him, you know who else didn't mind? Jesus wanted prayer. He asked the disciples three times, will you pray over me? Will you pray for me? Will you pray with me? The biggest sin that they ever committed was to fall asleep. When the Son of God, who emptied himself, laid aside his divinity and was going to be a lamb slain, and he was facing with a broken heart, with a sorrow for the sins of the whole world. And he knew that it was God's will, and he even prayed, if it be possible, you have some other way. And God ignored that prayer. Who killed Jesus? Not the devil. Who killed Jesus? Not the Jews. Who killed Jesus? Not the Romans. It says God, it pleased him to bruise him. He offered his only begotten son. And Jesus asked for prayer. If Jesus needed prayer, then I sure do. Somebody shout hallelujah. You got to understand this. And the greatest thing I'm telling you about this church is that you need to unite. Every one of you need a prayer partner. Every one of you need to say, will you join with me in prayer? Can I text you? I won't do it every day. I won't text you uh, three times a day. But can I text you? Can I phone you and tell you when I'm fearful and when I'm down and when the devil's attacking me or when he's stuck, when he's got me by the throat and my, my tongue hurting in my throat, when I'm feverish, when I can't sleep, when I'm, when, when I'm going through hallucinations, when I'm, I've been there, I've been there where the medicine they gave me had me, had me so mixed up and so confused, and then I thought, I thought bad people were coming after me, and demons, and scorpions, and ugly things, and I, and I threw the medicine down the toilet, and I said, enough of that. I know better. I'm going to trust God. And I told the devil to get his hell out of my house. I rebuked the devil. I said, I've had enough of this. And God healed me. Somebody shout hallelujah. You've got to push. We've got to launch out. 
Quit taking it from the devil and let him punch you over on it. You stand up in the name of Jesus and say, I rebuke you, Satan. Get your hands off of me. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm telling you, it works. It works. Launch out. And Peter said, uh, uh, for what? For a draft of fish. He said, but master, master, I love that. Uh, we've already been there. We've toiled all night. And I think he said, that's when it was your thought. <laughs> now I'm telling you, launch out. This is my party. Okay. And he gets out there and God said, drop your net down. And the fish almost jumped into the net until the boat started to sink. Can I ask you a question? And will you be a, how many would like a boat sinking experience with God? <laughs> and say, God, enough is a Moody sat on the front seat in his great church in Chicago, and two women prayed for him. Yeah, God, he's a good preacher. He's a good teacher. Uh, he's got Sunday school, and he's winning children, and he was a shoe salesman, and we love him. But fill him with the Holy Ghost. Fill him with the Holy Ghost. And they kept praying for him. And one day, he got intoxicated. He got so full of the Holy Ghost, he actually said, God, I can't take any more. <laughs> How many would like that kind of experience? Just so much of God, so drunk on the Spirit, so full of his love, so full of his power. Not to show off. When I gave you testimonies, I couldn't heal a flea. I couldn't heal anybody. But I saw it. And I got it with men and women. Jack Coe, personally. Tommy Osborne, William Branham, W.W. Freeman. I can name at least 50 men and women that I went to see and talk about healing and miracles because I felt that God wanted to do miracles again and again and again. People say, write the book, write the book. If I write the book, I have to sell it. And I'm not interested in doing that, but I'm interested in telling you Jesus is looking right now at your boat, and he wants in. And for heaven's sake, will you let him in? Will you let him have your boat? Will you lend your assets to Jesus? Because your boat is your asset. Whatever it is you have, God will use it, no matter how insignificant you think it is. It's equipped. And God said, launch out. And whatever happens, I want to tell you, we have the key. I am not worried about America. I am not worried that America is going to be destroyed. I am not worried that the socialists and the communists and the ISIS and the immoral crowd are going to destroy America because I have confidence when Jesus died for the church that that church that he died for is going to be his tool. Come on, his, his battle axe, his warring church in worship and intercession and prayer, and the church is going to see a revival that's going to turn this nation back to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Get ready for America not to sink. There are people that want it to sink. They want it to be a has-been. They want it to be a used-to-be. They want America to be like the other third-world nations. This is God's 
nation. Uh, there is a church that is alive and well. Somebody shout hallelujah. I believe in the church. I believe in the church. I had a privilege to die. I had double pneumonia, and I was prophesied I was dying. They saw a call. I, I don't, I, I'm not afraid of death. The only reason I want to live, I want to be a part of the church that's going to make a difference in the whole world. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that's what you are. You're the salt, and you're the light, and you're the hope because of God in your life and God in your boat. And he's going to make He's going to make you a happy Christian again. If you're saved, you're happy. The only happiness is in a Christian. You're going to look like 915. You say, what's 915? The hands on the clock are like this. Show your teeth. Show your teeth. Don't take them out, sister. Just show them. God wants you smiling. He wants you joyful. He wants you hopeful. How are you feeling? Oh, Oh, I feel bad. Oh, I'm, I'm, I have a brother-in-law. He always stuck out his tongue ah, in the mirror. I said, what, what's happening? He said, I, I think I got it. God, he, he got everything. Every, every muscle in his tongue. I got it, I got it, I got it. One day I told him the story about the guy. Get worried, 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 worried. My microphone? He said, uh, After he worried all the time, discouraged all the time, looking in the mirror all the time, feeling his pulse all the time, taking his blood pressure. One day he came back to work at Muffet, happy, excited, and they said, what happened? How come you're, you're, you're not? He said, I hired somebody to do my worrying for me. And they said, how much did it cost? $75,000. Well, how are you going to pay him? That's his worry. And you know that that's a scripture that said, cast all your care upon me, and I will do your worry. And the care means worry. Cast it upon the Lord, and he will take your burden. Let him do the worry. Somebody shout hallelujah. All right. I, I feel like, oh, shilibahandorabokoborotanalaba. I promise you, says the Lord, there is judgment in the air and there is judgment in the land. But through my church and my people, as I said, when they call upon my name and humble themselves and pray and turn from their own unbelief and their own wicked thoughts that the devil's put in their mind, I will heal from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Give the Lord a hand. Clap, everybody. So I'm making a suggestion now. Just walk up to somebody that you really believe in and say, will you be a prayer partner with me? I won't bother you. I won't annoy you. I won't be there as a nuisance. But when I ask you to pray, two or more, Agree. God's reduced it to the irreducible minimum if two will come together and pray. Anything that they shall ask of the Father. So, you know why I'm anointed now? You know why 
I have a prayer group that prays for me. Right now, they know I'm here. Right now, they know I'm preaching three times. And they're praying, God will use me. God will help me. And God will anoint me. I wouldn't go anywhere without a prayer covering. You need a prayer covering. Your pastors, your elders, the group that, that stands here in the front, but also somebody that you can relate to. Not gossip, not, not condemn, not talk about, you know, that nobody notices you, nobody loves you. No. But you build a relationship and you text them and you say, pray, I'm going through something. Pow. And I bounce back, folks. I can't say that I don't ever get down. I can't say that I don't get sad and I don't get uh, where I say how come and why. But I know there is something I know. I am going to rise up and I'm going to catch a mother load of fish. Somebody say amen. And you, you young people, I want to just tell you something. You young people, I'm glad that... that that, they're, that some of them stayed in here. Because I want to tell you, I was your age when I was casting out devils. I was praying for the sick. I had a tumor as big as a, an orange disappeared. I had stone blind people healed. I didn't do it, but I prayed. You say, well, what if it didn't happen? What if it did? That's the way I thought. What if it did? What, you know, you gotta, you got to reach out. God says, ask largely. He never said, ask skimpy. He said, ask largely. I will give it the heathen for thine inheritance in the uttermost part. I said to my daughter, Linnell, and I love her. She, she's, a, she's a beauty. And you are lucky, John. <laughs> I said, why are you going so much? Five trips some years overseas. And she looked at me like a sassy little kid. And she said, well, you did it. I want to tell you something. I am so glad. When I told the story in the first service about my watch, took it to the jeweler. Somebody gave me an expensive watch. I, they came back to see me about seven or eight weeks ago, and I said, will you take the watch back? God, God did something. No, 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 we gave that to you. I said, I went to the store. It stopped. I went to the mall, and they wanted $1,095 fix my watch. And I went to a small jeweler. I thought they'll do it for $200. Maybe I would go that high. And they said $8.95. So I went home, took my watch back, put it on the dresser. And I said, I cannot spend $1,095 or $8.95. Will you forgive me, Lord? put my watch on my arm, and I said, forgive me for this. I've never asked you to do something this silly. Would you fix my watch? He did, folks. I went and had it examined. They said they would guarantee it. It's working. There's nothing wrong with it, and it is good for 10 years. And I go to her friend, my one of our churches, and Cindy Vogel, who I think has been here or did a women's retreat, she said, I can't go with Linnell to Thailand. I said, why? Oh, we just don't have the money. I said, I got $1,095 that I was going to have to pay for a watch. I'll write a check, and I wrote a check. And she went. Not only did she go to Thailand, 
but she stayed there a week after you left. Somebody shout hallelujah. So listen, I'm telling you, I have to close. But he wants in your boat. If you want him in your boat, stand up. If you're ready to give him your assets, if you're ready to say take over, if you're ready to say I'm going to take the risk of reach, I am going to push out a little. Put both hands up as high as you can. God, this church wants miracles. This church wants miracles. Oh, I'm ready to use you, say the Lord. I'm ready to move. It's about time that you see the fulfillment of all those prophecies that are alive and well. Oh, listen to me, says the Lord. This is a new day. This is not the old day. It's not same old self. You are transitioning into a new dimension of the supernatural power. Not only will you be strengthened and healed, but your hands are anointed to put healing. There's going to be miracles here that are going to be as common as it was in the days of the early church. Well, if you believe that, shout unto God, hallelujah. Say with me, here I am, Lord. You can have my boat. I give you my assets. Use me, Lord, for the honor and glory of God. God said, I heard that. I heard that. Now I'm going to ask you to push out a little. <laughs> then you get ready for the launch, and you're going to see, you're going to see devils tremble. You're going to see them flee as the scripture says that the devil will run away. He'll fly away. He fears a man or a woman of God that has the word of the Lord. He fears. Somebody said, I want you to pray that the devil will get off of my back. You know what the devil's praying? I want you to pray that the Christians will get off of my back. We've got power. of the blood of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the word of God, the apostolic power, the prophetic power. Put up your hands high. Let's say this out loud. Lord Jesus, here's my boat. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me. Thank you, Lord. You can choose anybody, but you chose me. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I give you thanks. I surrender, Lord. I give you my life, oh God. Today is a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new dispensation. Give me your hand, buddy. He's a man like you. You're charging the devil and say, you're not going to have my home. You're not going to molest me. You're not going to put that fear in me. Come on. Men be a man. Hallelujah. You women push, 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 push. Prophesy. Shout of the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Well, listen, first of all, I pray I make it to 86. But I pray as I age, and I hope you pray the same that my heart is always filled with faith. Yeah. Yeah. 
our world could not be any more negative. If you, I, I've quit watching the news lately because it just was so overwhelming to me. How many know our faith has to be stronger? Our hope has to be stronger. Our, our, our eyes have to see higher than what's going on in the world today. And how many know the source of it all is the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, which is true. Listen, it's an honor to have you today. We're going to close with one last song. Our prayer team will be here if you need prayer for anything. But I want to ask you if you will join me. The Bible teaches us that those that preach the gospel, they live from the gospel, which means the church takes care of its preachers. And uh, if you'd like to give a special offering to our guest, I'll have my Bible up here. You can leave it here. There'll be ushers in the back or use the debit machines. We'll make sure 100% of it goes to him. But I want to say thank you for coming today. And let's sing one last song. Prayer team, come to the front if you need prayer for anything. And I hope we'll see you 530 for our Thanksgiving meal. Not too late to sign up in the lobby. And communion is at 7.